You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, Merry Ash Wednesday. I don't know if that's what you're supposed to say. Happy Lent. It sounds kind of funny, but I think it's actually helpful to remember. Uh, In fact, to start here, we want to think about what Lent is not. Lent, for example, is not um, a a kind of a liturgical play-acting thing where we pretend like Jesus suffered on the cross, but we forget about the resurrection on Easter. And so we get all gloomy and sad and joyless, that sort of thing. There's enough enough stuff to make us gloomy and sad outside of the church. We don't need to add to it in here. And we don't... We don't act like Jesus suffered but didn't rise. We confessed already that Jesus is risen on the third day, that he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, that he rules and reigns all things for the sake of his church, that he's coming back for us soon. And we rejoice in that. We rejoice always in that. So what then is Lent? It's an ancient tradition. In fact, uh, it grew up in the early persecutions. And I think I've told you guys this story before. What happened when the Christians were being persecuted, uh, they would be tempted. They would have to go and worship uh, at the Caesar altars. They'd offer a pinch of incense and say that Caesar is Lord, and then they'd get off the hook. But the Christians refused. They said, no, uh, Jesus is Lord. And so the Caesars would have him thrown in jail. They'd, they'd beat him and persecute him and all this sort of stuff. They'd eventually feed him to the lions or whatever they wanted to do for their own amusement. But what happened is, under the pressure of the persecution, a lot of Christians uh, bent or broke. They went and offered the sacrifice to Caesar instead of being true to their own confession. And then when the persecution was passed, they, they felt terrible about it. The Holy Spirit worked repentance in their own heart. They were sorry for what they did. And they wanted to come back into the church. And so Lent was, in fact, invented for this reason, that those who had had revoked or renounced the faith, and when they wanted to come back in, that they they would be covered with ashes. And for seven weeks, they would wear sackcloth. And they would go through acts of public penance to show that they were, in fact, sincere about their faith, sincere about their repentance. And then they would be welcomed back into the fellowship of the church and the fellowship of the, of the altar and the Lord's Supper on Easter morning. That's how it started. But the church found this practice, this season, to be helpful, knowing that everything has to come in seasons. And Lent, then, is a season set apart for us for two things, really. For fasting and for repentance. So we want to talk about those two things tonight. First, fasting. Jesus talks about it in the gospel lesson. He says, when you fast, don't disfigure your face, but uh, wear normal clothes and, and don't go around so that everybody sees that you're fasting. You have your reward if you do that. Jesus, in fact, says, fast in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus assumes that Christians will be fasting. He assumes that you and I will take up this practice. And this has always been the assumption in the church. Now, it was a big debate in the Reformation about fast because the Catholic Church had certain laws and certain rules about fasting that 
you had to follow, and they, in fact, even taught that following those rules would increase you on your way to holiness, and so you had to do it. And the Lutherans said, no, no, uh, that's not the case. This is a matter of Christian freedom. But even the Lutherans assumed that we would be fasting. Luther says in the Catechism that fasting and bodily preparation, outward preparation, is of some use, but the true preparation is repentance. Now, there are two types of fasting. One is the self-chosen fast, and the other is when the Lord puts a fast on you. I, I think this is a really helpful distinction to have, by the way, so that if you choose to not eat meat or to skip a meal or to do something like that for a, a fast, that is a self-chosen fast, and it's fine, it's good. But the true fasting, at least Luther says it like this, the true fasting is when the Lord hands us over to fasting, when he takes away our food, money to buy groceries, or when the doctor says you can't eat for 24 hours. That counts. <laughs> that is a true fast put on you by God. And we consider the purpose of it. And why? Why, why would we fast? Why would we skip a, a meal or, or not eat meat or something like this? Why, why would you do it? The reason is, as St. Peter talked about in the epistle, is that we want to tame our sinful desires. All of us have a sinful flesh, the old Adam. It clings to us. We were born with it. It is this sinful nature that has a tendency all the time to sin. It's defined, the word that the Scripture uses to define it is desire, and a particular desire. Our sinful flesh desires sinful things, and it pushes us towards those sinful things. It it wants us to serve it. And so, for example, your belly, when you get hungry, cries out to you. It preaches a sermon to you, something like this, feed me. And if you don't listen, the preaching of your belly gets louder and louder. In fact, it might even sometimes start to grumble. Ah, it's like a monster. It wants to be served. It demands to be served, in fact. And when we fa and this is the point, when we fast, we're saying to our stomach, you are not my God. I don't serve you. You're, this is what my little brother used to say. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> we tell our stomach that it's not in charge. You see, and in this little way, we begin to fight against our sinful desires by recognizing them and by practicing a denial of them. Now, there's nothing sinful about eating. That's true. But this training expands to other sorts of things. So your sinful flesh also has all sorts of other desires, not just for food. It has sinful desires against the fourth commandment. We call that rebellion. It wants to chafe against authority. And we say, no, no. Or your sinful flesh has fifth commandment uh, desires. It gets angry. It has a short temper. It wants to fly off the handle, to be mean to people, this sort of thing. And we say, no. Your sinful flesh has sixth commandment desires. The lust of the flesh, which desires another person, not your spouse. Or seventh commandment desires, greed. Eighth commandment desires, to... to to, to destroy other people and their names so that you can be exalted. Or, in fact, this is what the ninth and 10th commandment is about. 
these false desires for things that the Lord has not given to you. Your flesh has all sorts of sinful desires, and we want to recognize them and say to the preaching of the old Adam, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I hear what you're saying, but you're lying. You are calling me not to good works and to the service of God, but you are tempting me to sin, and we want to put to death the sinful flesh. The old Christians called this mortification, to drown the old Adam, recognizing that our Christian life is a battle between the spirit and the flesh, that those two are at war against each other inside of each one of us. Now, there's an old, um, I don't even, I don't like to preach this, but I don't know another better illustration. I need to have a better illustration because this is an old uh, Indian proverb. I think it's an old Eskimo proverb. I just wish I had something better than an Eskimo proverb. But there was a little Eskimo boy, and he was watching, uh, or he was talking to the older Eskimo, and the older Eskimo says that inside of your heart, there are two wolves fighting. A white wolf and a black wolf, a good wolf and a bad wolf, a wolf that wants to live and a wolf that wants to kill you. They're fighting with each other to see who's going to win. And the Eskimo boy says, well, which one wins the fight? And the old wise Eskimo grandpa says, the one that you feed. That's probably right. The one that you feed. If you feed your sinful desires, if you feed the flesh, if you let the flesh have free reign, if you let the flesh satisfy its own desires, then it grows strong and it starts to win the fight against the new man. But if you mortify the flesh and you feed the spirit, the new man, the the one created in you by your baptism, then he starts to win the day. So fasting is refusing to feed the flesh and instead feeding the new man. So we fast. But Lent is much more than that. And in fact, this battle between the old man and the new man, between the spirit and the flesh, is much more than just a matter of food and drink. In fact, the battle really comes down to the second point of Lent, which is repentance. Because at last, you cannot starve the flesh. You have to drown the flesh in the gifts and in the waters of holy baptism. That's what Dr. Luther taught us the significance of baptism was, remember? That through daily contrition and repentance, the old Adam in us would drown and die, and a new man would come forth to live in newness of life. Now, repentance, we remember from catechism, repentance has two parts. The first part is contrition or sorrow over sin. The second part of repentance is faith, trust in the gospel. In other words, the law comes to us and shows us our own great sinfulness, and we believe what the law says. That's contrition. And then the gospel comes to us and shows us Christ, and we believe what the gospel says. That's faith. And repentance is our life. 
We don't just repent when we come to church. We don't just repent in the season of Lent. We live lives of repentance, daily repentance, in the morning, at night, all through the day, as the Lord, the Holy Spirit, brings to our own minds and into our ears and hearts the preaching of the law and the preaching of the gospel. Now, there's one thing, a point of confusion about repentance that I think is good to clear up, and it has to do with this first part, contrition. I think that there is a difference between terror over sin and being troubled by sin. Uh, Most everybody is troubled by sin. Even people that don't believe in God know that they've made mistakes, that they've done things that are wrong. But so what? I mean, what of it? We have all these kind of cliches of a troubled conscience. We say, well, everybody sins. To err is human. Nobody's perfect. All these kind of cliches. And that's a way of saying, well, yeah, it's true that I'm a sinner, but, but so what? But this is the so what. God is holy, and he hates sin. In fact, he hates your sin, and he hates mine. His wrath burns hot over our transgressions and our iniquities. So that every breaking of God's law, every sin, everything that we've ever done wrong, even to take one of the sins that we've committed, would deserve God's eternal wrath in hell. Now that is a terrified conscience. In in other words, what I'm saying is this. It's not just enough for us to know that we've done something wrong and broken God's law. What we need to, to really truly know is this, that because of our breaking of God's law, we have deserved God's wrath. You know, to say it a slightly different way, our, our problem is not our sin. I mean, it is the problem, but our problem is not just our sin. Our problem is God's holiness discovering our sin. Because what we truly deserve from God is hell itself, eternal damnation, his wrath that has no end, the fire that's never quenched, the worm that eats, the darkness that pervades. That's what we deserve because of our sin, because of each one of our sins, and that is contrition. To know that we deserve nothing good from God, but everything bad from God. But then the gospel comes along and it says this, that all of God's wrath, every single bit of it, that you have deserved and that I have deserved, was poured out on his son on the cross for you and for me. That Jesus stood between sinners and God's wrath, that he took the brunt of the Father's anger for you. So that the sin that you've committed, the thing that you've done wrong, the thing that has deserved God's wrath, is not held against you. It's held against Christ so that God's love can come to you and his mercy can come to you and his kindness can come to you like it did already this day in the words, I forgive you all your sins. And faith clings to this. Faith knows this. Faith sets Christ between us and the wrath of God, knowing that he has suffered it all so that we could live and eternally with him out of his great love. 
He forsook even the love of the Father and took his wrath so that he could love you forever. And if you want to kill the flesh and you want your new man to be alive, this is how it happens. That you know your sin and better, you know your Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves you so much that he died for you, who loves you so much that he sent his apostles and prophets to preach for you, who loves you so much that he will place his body and his blood on this table tonight and put it into your mouth with the words given for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. In this word and in this kindness, we come to the joy of repentance, to the comfort of the gospel, to the confidence of faith, and to the blessedness that the Lord wants us to taste tonight. So rejoice. Or we should say it like this. So Mary Ash Wednesday. Jesus hates your sin. Jesus has died for your sin. Jesus loves you. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.